Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Brainwaves. Hear the world differently. Bringing community mental health to you, raising awareness and challenging stigma. Tune in to 3CR Community Radio, Wednesdays at 5pm. Melbourne's Drive Time Radio Program, featuring community organisations, powerful stories and information. Find us at brainwaves.org.au. Proudly sponsored by Wellways Australia. Hello and welcome to Brainwaves on 3CR. You're listening in on 8.55am, 3CR Digital Radio and 3cr.org.au online. My name's Lauren and from the Brainwaves team today we have Alana and Steph. And today on the show we're going to be talking to Glenn Cooper who is the president and founder of That's a Thing About Fishing which is a local non-for-profit organisation. Glenn's organisation uses fishing as a way of changing lives by introducing people to the act of fishing and using it as a form of therapy in people's lives. And joining us today we also have one of his volunteers, Luke, um, who will be talking a little bit about his experience of being involved. So thank you to you both for joining us today. No, oh, thank you for having us in here. Yeah, thank you for having us. Um, so thank you for coming on the show again. Could you just tell us a little bit about your upbringing and how it ultimately affected uh, your mental health later in life? I don't think we've got enough time. <laughs> Where can you start? Oh. Well, listen, I come from a dysfunctional background, right, um, at the age of a little fella. I mean, he's come from a drunken mother and stepfather. Used to bash and give me hidings and everything like that. We're going to cut this really short. Right? And um, basically what happened, I used to run away from home. And then eventually I become a ward of the state in Sydney. And got locked up in boys' homes. You know, we went through a lot of hidings and bashings and all that kind of stuff in boys' homes and institutions. And so I've become a very institutionalised. One of the things that I did actually do is I learned how to fight. Because you had to learn how to fight in those places to protect yourself. And um, anyway, I think at the age of 15, I was up for my first two attempted murders. And I was stayed in the boys' homes until the age of 18. Right, but one of the greatest things that actually affected me, right, I believe today that I don't suffer from mental health as per se, you know, depressions and all that kind of stuff, but that doesn't mean I was never hurt. When a young boy is sitting there in a court courtroom and the mother turns around and when the, after the magistrate says, where's this young fella's family or anyone here representing him, and your mother gets up and says, he's not my son, I never want to see him ever again, and the magistrate turns around and says, no wonder this bloke's got no future. Well, that's the kind of life that you actually lead. 18 years old, when I got out of the boys' homes, the first job I ever had, because I could fight, was at the Pink Pussycat in King's Cross as a bouncer. So I spent six years on and off working King's Cross in all the bloodbaths, the illegal gamblings, right, pubs, hotels, the whole works. Seeing, you know, drug addicts, heroin addicts, street kids, all over the place. All right. And that affected me in a lot of ways. All right. Anyway, one day I got stabbed badly. I've been shot twice and stabbed eight times. In right. 1980, I got stabbed that bad that I thought I was clinically dead three times and decided to come down to Melbourne after I got out of hospital. Like I said, this is cutting it all short, <laughs> really short. Right. Normally when I actually do a talk, I take about an hour and we get to go through the whole lot. Why? Because there's always a reason why you start something or do you do something. Right, 
Anyway, I come down to Melbourne, right, and I moved to St Kilda because they said that was a place to live, right, down there because it was a little bit like King's Cross. That's <laughs> a joke. Within a couple of months, I owned a brothel in um, 14 Carlisle Street. Every street girl worked for me and I owned a massage parlour in uh, Eden Square. And that's a, But that was the kind of life they had. See, to hide my hurts, my insecurities, my rejections, right, and everything like that, I used violence and crime as a way of you know, coping with things. That was my security blanket, right? Anyway, one day I met a woman. She wanted me to change. Typical women. Right? So I had to try to do that. Sorry, there's no, if I forgive me, this is my opinions. <laughs> I'm politically incorrect, <laughs> always. Right? Anyway, I met her. She wanted me to change. So I did. So I just went back to bouncing at all the blood bars right through Melbourne and that. Anyway, one night I got absolutely blind drunk, laid out a few coppers. I thought, shit, I'm going to go back to jail because I got locked up. Because I've been in Beechworth, Wakehole, Bogger Road and Pentridge, the old Pentridge. So I've been locked up a few times, <laughs> been in a bit of trouble. Right, so to get out of going to jail again, right, when I got to think, I thought, because I, you know, I was absolutely, yeah, I don't know, I've been not say this, I was absolutely plastered because I was going to use that other word, something face. <laughs> Right, and uh, anyway, I actually spent 17 years in the church because I knew I had to change. And I've done the ministry, I've done Bible college, done the whole lot. I went through the church. That changed me, but it didn't fix my hurts, believe it or not. Everyone thinks, oh, you go to church and your whole life changes. But it, it didn't change. You know, like, there was a lot of things that changed. I worked with street kids, heroin addicts. Right, I was actually went to Salvation Army uniform at one stage and uh, worked within the court systems dealing with heroin addicts. I actually worked with a bloke by the name of Major Ted Gray. Right. Anyway, I wanted to change the world, right, dealing with all these people because I could see the hurts. I could, see, I could understand why girls were prostituting themselves. I could understand why people were running away from home because they were hurt. They had depression. They had hurts, anxiety, pain, you know, like all this kind of stuff. And they used to hide it inside of drugs. Well, this is back, oh, I've been out of, the, out of the church now for over 15, 20 years. All right. Like I said, I've got to cut all this down really short because we've only got a short period of time. Um, but anyway, what happened was I left the church and I went back to security. My marriage had broken down and everything like that. And I was still hurting in a lot of ways. Right? But I've always been a mad fisherman. And I knew if I was ever angry or ready to kill someone, I'd go fishing and that would calm me down. But anyway, I went back to security. In 2006, October the 4th, 6th, 2006, I was bouncing. I was security at um, Docklands. Three drunks attacked me, right? Went down, broke my ankle accidentally, snapped it, had nine operations on it. Got seven pins in my left ankle. Can't ride my Harley anymore. <laughs> I cried. I actually cried when I put my Harley on the back of the thing. Not, more, not when I left my wife, but my Harley went in the back of the truck. I cried. <laughs> right, eh? And anyway, um, I was in a wheelchair for five years. 
Anyway, hurting, right, sitting there, very active person, right, I was fit as a fiddle, I was 83 kilos, I was playing soccer, I was you know, doing everything, you know, I was fit. And, um, but I went in a wheelchair and I went to about 106 kilos. I know I look like that now, but shh, don't tell me. <laughs> i got a good face of radio. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but anyway, what happened was, when I got down, I used to get my home health to wheel me down to Frankston Pier in a wheelchair. All right? And there I would be fishing. And then all of a sudden, I'd see these mothers and kids come down and they didn't know, had no idea of fishing. They put this piece of plastic on a hook and throw it into the water and think they're going to catch a fish. So I call them over. Anyway, I start talking to them. I start rigging up their rods and everything like that. Put a piece of bait on. They catch a toady that had them hooked. They were wrapped. Kids were catching, you know, toadies. But while sitting there, I used to have all these people come and sit beside me and all of a sudden they tell me all their problems. All right? And so I said, well, why don't you take up fishing? Oh, it's boring. I said, so are all your problems. <laughs> I don't know. So anyway, what happened? When I got out of the – like I said, I've got to really try to cut all this down. <laughs> right? right? When I um, got out of the wheelchair, I started fishing at Mornington. And I was in a, my leg was in a brace. And I used to love it. I was down there seven days a week. Anyway, one year, I, down there about five years ago, six years ago, I caught 33 snapper in one year. And I'm talking snapper, which you girls are going to look strange at me. Luke will understand what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. Right, <laughs> and I'm talking about pinkies. I'm talking a snapper, 40 centimetres and over. One year, 33 snapper off the pier. And people used to come down and say, can you catch a fish here? I said, don't ask us. Go and ask him. He's the guru. My nickname is Guru Glenn. <laughs> right, eh? Anyway, I actually started a radio show. And uh, a mate of mine was the DJ at Triple R, um, uh, th- uh, oh, Triple R up yeah. in Mornington. Right, and he rang me up one day and said, Glenn, how would you like to have your own fishing program? Come on the fishing. So I did. For 18 months, I had a, a fishing program every Tuesday morning at 7 o'clock at um, RWB. Anyway, I ran into a bloke by the name of Nui, Brian Rowley, who's the co-founder with me. Nui. Nui. Shout outs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. He said, we were talking about it one day. We said, hey, why don't we have a fishing clinic? And I said, yeah, right, let's do it. I said, let's have a kids' clinic. So I did. So I put it over the radio. We're going to have a kids' clinic. Right, day come, pouring rain. Waves are going over the pier. Two kids turn up, and one of them was Nui's son. <laughs> so that was a disaster. <laughs> that, was, uh, that was about five years ago, just over five years ago. And uh, anyway, we persevered with it. Last year, I think it was about three and a half years ago, we've become a not-for-profit organisation called That's the Thing About Fishing with Guru Glenn and Nui. All right, Triple T-A-F, or That's the Thing About Fishing. All, right, all those names are ours. Right. <laughs> anyway, last year we done 270 clinics with nearly 4,500 people fishing. Wow. We deal with disabilities, youth, kids' clinics, the whole lot. But one of the biggest ones that we actually deal with is mental health. All right. We deal with a lot of, you know, actually Wellways is one of them, right, which is to be MIF, Mental Illness Fellowship, NEMIS, Mentors Assist, Headspace, Peninsula Health, the whole lot. So, we, you know, we, we're on the peninsula and we deal with all those people. They actually refer their people to us or call me and say, can, can we do clinics and everything like that. Um, Luke saw what we were all about on Facebook. 
right, and actually joined us, and I'll hand it over to Luke in a minute and just let him tell us that. But through our fishing, we changed lives. What Major Ted Gray to me when I wanted to change the whole world said to me, and he said, Glenn, 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 you're fantastic, you're a gun-ho, right? And he said, you're, yeah. He said, but you can't change everyone's life. I said, but I want to, right? Because look at them, they all need help, right? So, and you know, because we used to do the positive lifestyle programs and everything like that out of the court systems, and and he said, you can't do it. He said, look, mate, if we can just get one person to stop doing what they're doing, we've we've done our job. Mm. So hence one of our, my motto is changing lives one life at a time. Mm. We've got people that actually, that come to me from organisations or come to, that's the thing about Triple TAF, right, from organisations that were on the verge of suicide, suffering mental health badly. Depression, you know, slashes, you know, the people that are actually, you know, you know, by slashes, you know, slashing their wrists, they're ready, you know, sitting in what we call Two West over in uh, Frankston Hospital and things like that. I got one bloke, um, a really good friend of mine, Neil, he used to be a bouncer as well, 2006, broke his back working, uh, stuck in his house for nearly five to six years. Anyway, I've gone and spoke to him and I told him to get off, you know, you'd, I'm also a counsellor. You don't want to be counselled by me. <laughs> Honestly, you don't. Because <laughs> I said, "What? Do you, mate, get over it. What, yeah, mate, what's wrong with you? Let's go fishing. I actually took him fishing, right, over four years ago. He now actually volunteers for the Salvation Army in Karen Downs, cooking for the, the needy every Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Right. We've got a young kid, right, and this is the kind of counsellor I am. Like I said, you don't want to be counselled by me. I don't know. Anyway, young young guy, Jonathan, come down to the clinics one day, right over through as as a client. Yeah, we got time. Oh yeah. Got, yeah, yeah, yeah. Plenty of time. Right, right, um, like I said, he come down as a client one day. And uh he's he was he was there for about two months and then one day he said, Oh Glenn, can I talk to you? I said, Yeah, let's go and have a cup of coffee. So we went down to Franger. Because I'm from Frank Gandalstan. Frankston. <laughs> right, right. Nothing wrong with Frankston. Gateway to the peninsula. A beautiful place. It is a beautiful, beautiful place. place. Sun shining, you know, even when it's not shining. You know, it's a lovely place, mate. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, Luke, Luke likes it down there. Oh, I can't get enough of it. That's right. <laughs> Neither can I. I live there. <laughs> I live there since 1985. <laughs> right, uh, anyway, um, Jonathan's come down. Anyway, I said, well, I had a cup of coffee and John was there. And there look, this bloke was... This young bloke was really bad. He did. He suffered a lot of things. And I looked at him and I told him my story a bit, you know, where I come from and everything, but I gave him the whole double barrels. And I said, do you think you've got a problem? Why don't you come with me on Friday to one of my clinics? I said, well, right, I'll come down. So he comes down, moaning and groaning. No, he wasn't wasn't that bad. He was having a moment where we were actually talking. Anyway, he's come down and he's done to the disability clinics. And he saw these disabilities in wheelchairs, cerebral palsies. We've got one of them that actually that he's, uh, he's that bad. It's some, the name's about 10 miles long, what he's got. It's not actually cerebral palsy. It's not MS or anything like that. But he's, if his arm's not tied down, he actually chews it off or nearly so. You know, and um, love it. He's, he loves his fishing, this guy. And then anyway, after it all, I, John and I went for a coffee and I said, John, do you think you've got a problem now? Let's work with it. John went back to school. Not only done that, he's only served four in disabilities. He actually done, I put him into a placement with the disability organisation that he went and saw. He's still got his problems, but he admitted it. And he's, you know, still, and I'm, now we do a lot of people like that. Luke, 
Right, I'm going to actually let, have Luke have it. Do you want to talk, Luke? mate? Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Luke is actually um, studying. He's getting his um, diploma in mental health. Oh, yep. Right, mm-hmm. um, Luke's got his own demons that he had. I know, and some, so actually, some blokes like him are actually become good counselors because what what I always say to people, right? And please, please, anyone out there, don't be offended at what I'm going to say. The best counselors are the ones that are from the streets, the ones that have actually been there and done it, right? The ones that have got the street smarts, right? Eh? If you want to become a counselor, learn about the streets, and I'm not talking about going out living in the streets. I'm talking about why these people do the things? Why do we carry security blankets? Why did my security blanket for my depression and my hurts and insecurities and my rejections and everything like that, why was my security blanket violence? Mm. Why did I carry guns? Why have I been shot? Everything like that. Learn about it, right? Because then you, then you actually become a good counsellor mm. because you've actually learnt it, you've either been it, done it, right? But make sure... And this is where this might get me into trouble. I know, my opinion. This is my opinion only. So you can tell I've done radio before. Aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> my opinion only. Right, eh? Deal with your hurts before you can deal with someone else's hurts. I actually say to you know, like one of the things I actually use when I'm talking to people: what you confess is what you possess. Right, eh? And you, the only way to learn that. What you confess is what you possess. It is that you've actually, if you understand what I mean by that, is mean what you say is what you get, right? So anyway, Luke, go oh, for it. I'm on. Okay. Um, yeah, I think what Glenn was saying before, definitely, I can touch on and, and, and agree with a lot. But I find with fishing, just just the just the sense of of being outside in in nature and and kind of silencing a lot of those thoughts that you may be experiencing and and. I know personally and a lot of people um, going through mental health have a really, really busy mind and uh, this constant thoughts, there's so much happening and and it's really hard to shut that off and, and a lot of the times with me and I know, you know, it's very common, you, you kind of lean to substance use and going out and, and, and trying to silence your mind and, um, you know, that works just for a little bit maybe but I found with what fishing involves and my dad I'd shout out to my dad because he got me into fishing when I was four years old sorry for dropping all your knives in the water too dad because I did that a lot um he he showed me something that really has helped me um and it helps a lot of people and what Glenn's doing it's amazing to see the response that it is getting and and just seeing the people that come down and how much enjoyment and how much happiness they get out of just hooking a bit of you know seaweed I mean, it doesn't even have to be a fish. Like, they, they just love it. They just love, um, you know, engaging and, and being outside. And it's, it's great. So what do you think is, um, like, what makes fishing therapeutic? Do you think it is that kind of the opportunity to silence your mind, like you said? Or is it the social side of it or a combination of everything? Like, what would you say makes yeah, it look, therapeutic? Yeah, I look, think, I, think I think it's all a part of it. But I think, you know, um, just, just the, I mean... It's, it's sort of like a freedom. You can kind of go out wherever you want, put a line in the water and, and, and catching a fish, um, it just, it really makes people happy. Mm-hmm. I, I can't really explain it. I just feel like, you know, anytime I was really sad and I went down to to my local waterway and, you know, put a line in the water and caught mm-hmm. a fish, mm-hmm. all my worries would be gone, you know. Mm-hmm. It, it was just like, oh, wow, this is amazing. I caught something, you know, mm-hmm. um, and putting it back in the water and releasing it. It just sort of, yeah, it was really, really nice. Yeah, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. I, I think the fishing, right, and it, Luke's exactly right. And what you, to basically answer your question, mm. 
It's not about fishing, mm. right? And that's why, you know, like if you, you read anything that we actually write, it's a therapeutical way of dealing with your life. But it's not fishing. It's not catching a fish, right? We use it to actually socialise and teach people communication, mm. right, to be able to socialise, to be able to... Because when you look at fishing, right, and you're in an environment, right, yeah, look, sometimes you can't take a heap of people fishing, right? It might mm. be just two or three of you. But what happens, barriers break down. Mm. The walls break down, right? It doesn't matter what's going on at home, what's going on in your life, the barriers break down. You're not sitting there catching the fish. You could be sitting there talking all the bull that you want to talk, <laughs> <laughs> right? Oh? And you get away with it. Like, it's always how big this fish was. You know, we've already, you know, our arms ain't long enough to actually yeah. show how big they are. I wish they were. All right. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's fishing. It, but what happens when you walk down the beach? What happens when you walk on a pier? Right? I don't, it's, it's not many people that can walk on a pier and the barriers break down on everyone's life. There's no racism. There's no gender. There's no nothing. You talk to people and say hello to people that you would never speak to if you were walking down the main street of, of the city mm. or if you were walking down Frankston or you were walking down Smith Street here. Mm. You wouldn't talk to them. But if you were walking down a pier, right, whether you've got a fishing rod in your arm or not, you actually say, oh, hello, how are you? How's your mm. day? Mm. Right? You know, people come up to me, they, they look, they, you know, people have never look at, look at, would speak to you in the street and they yeah. see a bucket there. Have you caught any fish today? Nah, fish hate me just like women do. <laughs> That's why I'm single. <laughs> Only that. Oh, I've got a weird sense of humour too. <laughs> right. Uh, but as I say too, right, when I actually use with mental health, right, the fishing part of it, I've shown them something within fishing that can change their life. But I also say to them, it's not always fishing. I've got a guy that we actually can't even stand on a pier without nearly fallen off, right? And he's a mental health guy, and I've known him for many, many years. I've known him for 20-odd-plus years. Mad stamp collector and coin collector, right? Depression, he was going to commit suicide, you know, and all this kind of stuff. Anyway, I tried to get him back into stamps. That didn't work. So do you know what he does for me every night now? Comes knocking on my door because we set up a house next door to us. It's for um, men with a suffering. You know, it's a shared accommodation mm. for mental health, right? Uh, and he's in there. He comes in every night, six o'clock, cook meal. He's got into cooking, mm. cooking a meal. And he says, Glenn, what do you want for tea tonight?" I said, "Whatever you're cooking, I'll have it." Right? <laughs> Who needs a wife? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I come like next door, <laughs> right? Uh? But see, as I say to people, it's to, you've got to substitute. Mm. What is, you know, it's not always the answer, right? But you've got to substitute or put something in place that's got to stop you thinking the way you are thinking. Mm. Right? And that's what I'm saying about what you confess is what you possess. Mm. Yeah. So what you're confessing, oh, I'm, down, I'm depressed. I'm gonna, I, don't mm. wanna, I don't wanna be around here anymore. I've got this big, dirty, big black dog hanging around me and won't leave me alone. But if you turn around and say, that rotten black dog, get lost. Oh, geez, I feel bad today. But I'm going to have a good day, yeah. right? Mm. See, you're confessing positive, mm. not negative. Mm. And I actually say to a lot of people, write it on the wall, write it on your mirror, mm. right? Change your thought patterns, and fishing can help that because it actually changes your thought pattern. Because what all of a sudden you, Luke, 
You don't know. Look, you look at Luke. Don't, don't, please don't be offended, Luke. You look at Luke. You think he's allowed? He's got all these tattoos. <laughs> Half like, of them are flowers, so they're not even. Oh, they're, they're not threatening. Man, I look at those swallows on your neck now. Yeah. Are they swallows? Uh, I don't even know what they are. They're no, birds. They're birds. <laughs> yeah, they're some right, form of bird. But you, know, but at the end of the day, you don't look at those, mm. right? But if we were walking down the street, people look at them, they might turn away from me because they think, oh, he's got tattoos. The same as they do with me. They look at me and say, oh, he's ugly. I'm going the other opposite direction. <laughs> <laughs> right? But they'll talk to me down the pier. <laughs> right? But they'll sit there and talk. Right, it looks like you got a question. Well, I was just going to ask, how does the program operate? So I guess if anyone wants to get involved or anything like that, is it as simple as turning up with a rod on the day or is it more structured? So are people encouraged to work through whatever problems they're facing or like how does it go? How does it um, Well, the thing about operate? it is that they can follow us on Facebook. Mm. We're on that. That's the thing about fishing on Facebook. Mm. We do have a website. That's the thing, thing about fishing.org.au. Um, my contact details are there and everything like that. Every Monday, Wednesday, Friday... We do run groups down at Frankston every, every week. Okay. Right, we're there from 9 o'clock, 9.30, right through to about 11.30, 12. Right, we do do special groups. Right, um, we do have, um, um, we're, you know, like no, next Thursday, we had a, a group ring up and say, listen, we've got 11 girls, girls, girls fishing. <laughs> right, right. No, I only joke. No. <laughs> girls are actually better fishermen than fishing peoples, persons, <laughs> than males sometimes. And you oh, can right. and they you catch can... more than you though, Glenn. Shh, don't tell anyone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not embarrassed now. Oh, no. oh, oh. We'll right, just right. edit that out, yeah. Yeah, no, sh- edit. Yeah. Can you cut that out? <laughs> Next. Oh. oh, we're not. Oh, we're not filming anymore. <laughs> right, uh, but um, yeah, just they can look us up on Facebook. Um, I did get the honour last year of actually being nominated as Australian of the Year. It's only a, nom- right. it's only a piece of That's paper. Amazing. Yeah, and amazing. once again yeah. this, this year as well. And I think, um, oh, look, got a great bunch of volunteers too because there's no way known. This is not all about me. I, you know, when you look at our, our posts and things like that, I never talk about I talk about my volunteers. Mm-hmm. They are a great bunch of people. They, you know, like out of the 20-odd volunteers i got, they give up their own time. They give up mm-hmm. their weekends. Over the school holidays, you'll see that we've actually got, we'll have eight school holiday programs going for the kids. Oh, wow. Because we work with kids as well. But even that in itself, we've got mm. single parents that are coming down to the clinics. I oh, know I'm watching, I've got three, two minutes. Oh, we, right. yeah, well, we want to play a song as well. No, no. So that's right. all right. <laughs> right. Um, but, you know, like over the school holidays, we've got a calendar up on the, look, the events. I'm working on that now. Mm. But over the school holidays, we'll have eight school holidays. But mm. the single mothers and single parents come down and they bind together, not mm. only with the kids but with each other who are suffering problems. Yeah. yeah. Right. I, look, I know we run out of time. I really yeah. apologise. I've taken <laughs> no, it all no, up. No, that's all right. Um, thank you so much to you both for coming on the show today and sharing a little bit about what you do. It's incredible to hear. Everything that goes on. Yeah. Um, And just to send us off, Luke, you've got a song that you'd like to play. Yeah, yeah. So I'm also an MC, um, writer, mental health advocate. I've got my own page up on Facebook at the moment. It's called Fruity Lex. And I, yeah, I just, I'm creating a lot of music at the moment just about mental health. And this song is just a third person perspective of how I was dealing with things two years ago. So. Yeah, awesome. Okay, well, this has been Brainwaves on 3CR. You can listen to us next Wednesday at 5pm. Stay tuned for Renegade Economists. Take it away. Cheers. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast. 
produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.